Good morning. <clears throat> Thank you, ladies. That was a beautiful song, and it fits well with what we want to look at today. I need to start this service. No one's ever done this before. I have a visual aid, and I'd like to ask our master's men if they'd come up and help set this up. <clears throat> now, no one's ever used this visual aid, but I promise it's still the same Bible. All right. Hey, fellas, um, is that on high? All right. Now, before we get too far. I want to tell you what this is not. We are not trying to fill the platform with smoke and calling on the master's praise and worship team. We're not doing that. Okay. When you look at this and I'm going to leave it on for the entire message. What do you think I'm going to preach about? Someone. What? That's right. That's right. James chapter four. James chapter four. Now, it has another benefit. Brother Spencer, like a lot of the older faculty, were struggling with coughing. So, Brother Clements, I put this up here to maybe help me, but it doesn't look like it's coming back this way. <laughs> a lot of sickness on campus. Be careful. James chapter 4. Let's read verse 14. I'll read it. <clears throat> then we'll go back and... And talk about what I'm preaching about. The title of my message is, I do it my way. I do it my way. James chapter 4, verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together around your word. And Lord, what you've laid on my heart. Would you help me to convey your passion for all your children? Too many of God's people, bought with a price, live their way. And Father, help us not to be presumptuous. Speak to our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's always been true that immature believers often see the will of God as misery, dread, even dangerous. Yet you should know, and I think we know here, that the danger will never be in God's will. It'll be living outside of God's will. Now, James, starting in verse 11, down through verse 17, James talks about presumptuous living. The word presumptuous means this, an overstepping of proper grounds, a taking something for granted. And so James, in verses 11 and 12, <clears throat> talks about presumptuous judging. Presumptuous judging is arrogant. That's what he says in verse 11 and 12. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? So number one, presumptuous judging is arrogant. Remember, I'm sharing with you that 
presumptuous living tends to be the, the hallmark of carnal Christians or immature believers. James is all about growing up. James is all about growing and maturing in Christ. And no one here is too old to grow. No one, including myself especially. But I want you to notice, number two, presumptuous planning is foolish. Not only is presumptuous judging arrogant as far as God's concerned, but to an immature believer, the presumptuous planning is foolish. Look at verses 13, 14, and 15. Go to now, ye that say. Let me just point out, that word say is in a present tense idea. In other words, go to now. You that are always saying today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. I want you to see under presumptuous Planning is very foolish. The first thought is the presumption of the plan. That's what James gives us in verse 13. Notice James says, you believers that you live for yourself. You do things your way. You have a habit of saying continuously to everyone all your plans. Now, I know Brother Beal has shared this, and I've actually, and many of you, if you've ever been around campus when we bring in lots of teenagers. Camp Barnabas, it's amazing even at Camp Barnabas where there's a little more of a focus or there should be. I've asked young men and young women and Brother Bill says it happens to him all the time when he goes to Christian schools, Christian schools and he'll say to the young people, so what is what are you going to do with your life or what does God want you to do with your life? Folks, it gets to the point where it's almost scary. Well, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this. And they never say, God willing. Now, I'll be honest. Um, when I was a teenager, God called me at 12. And I fought it till 17. And then I fought it even later. But in my heart, I knew God had called me. But when people would say to me, public school, so Joel, what are you going to do? You know, it changed. It, you know, firefighter, Navy, back and forth. But in my heart, I knew what God's will was. You remember that time when you were a teenager and you were trying to figure out, you know, James isn't just talking to just immature Christians. He may be talking to us who maybe we are more mature than we were. But the danger is this. Christians so many times and in James day, they thought it was OK with God that they could presumptuously talk down to other believers and become the judge the jury and the executioner. Then they thought, well, it's okay for me to talk about what I want to do with my life. James says, and by the way, look at the, the he says, you that are always saying, look how thorough they are. A lot of teenagers, they, they're not very specific. But boy, this, this believer is, well, today or tomorrow, um, I'm going to go into such a city. He names a city. And I'm going to stay there a whole year. And while I'm there, I'm going to buy and sell and I'm going to make a lot of money. Very thorough. This believer says, well, I tell you, I'm leaving no later than tomorrow. 
He mentions the city he's going to visit, the time he's going to spend there, the business he's going to transact, the profit he's going to make. There's one problem. Everything, not one mention of God. Not one mention of God. I don't care if you're a student and ambassador. Maybe you're still struggling. And if you're not careful, my brother, my sister, you may find yourself in weaker moments saying, well, I'm going to do this or that. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this degree. And you know what I'm going to do? Listen, there's nothing wrong with planning. James nor God is against planning. But not just the presumption of the plan, but notice in verse 14 the problem with the plan. Verse 14 says, whereas, in other words, they talk a lot, but they're not thinking biblically. Whereas ye know not. It's amazing how much this guy knew. Here's when I'm leaving. Here's where I'm going. Here's what I'm going to do. And in fact, I'm going to do it all year long. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to have money. I'm going to make a profit. But God says, but listen, there's one thing you're not thinking about. You know not what shall be on the morrow. You see, there are really two problems here in verse 14. The first one I just read. This believer failed to recognize the uncertainty of the future. He thought that's how the future is going to work. You know this. We don't know the future. Did you know there's only one person in the entire universe that knows the future? No, it's not Satan. Satan doesn't know the future. Oh, he works hard at changing it sometimes and telling us and tempting us. Only God knows the future. Let me ask you a question. Would you really? Now, I mean this. Would you really want to know the rest of your life? Would you really want to know your future? And if you did, would you need God anymore? The truth is, um, at my age and and having gone through all I've gone through, Brother Ogle, um, if God said, well, you know, Joel, the rest of your life, I'm just going to lay it out. I'd say, God, no. But if you do, I need you now. Sometimes it takes us as young people believers, time to realize that what Brother Spencer is preaching to you today is very important. The Bible says in Psalm or Proverbs 27, 1, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Notice this, this Christian says, and I'm going to stay there a whole year. One author says, today God speaks to us in his word that we harden not our hearts. Today is the day of salvation. All our duties, all privileges, all trials, all joys, all sorrows, in one word, everything we have, we have today. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not. Only today is ours, and only in today do we hold our possessions. And so this, the problem with the plan is, God says, you don't, you don't know what the future holds. But notice the second problem, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. This immature believer failed to recognize the uncertainty of life. The word vapor here refers to a puff of smoke, breath on a cold day, steam. Now, I, ca- I calculated it t- from the time you can, your eye can capture it coming out till the time... It folds and disappears. I calculated five seconds. Now, Jameson, our engineer, uh, he says it's slightly less. Well, can I tell you something? Have you been watching? In the time we're in chapel, 
every life in this room will have disappeared, come up and disappeared two or three times. Every one in this chapel. So, well, now, Brother Spencer, that's not literal. To God it is. To God it is. And God gave James, by the way, this is a book of wisdom, isn't it? Any pastor will tell you, this is a book of wisdom. And the wisdom for us today is we need to quit talking and thinking, I'm going to do it my way. Because there are repercussions. I, um, a while back, preached this series and, um, at a church, and I took an aerosol spray, you know, like you keep in the bathroom. And I asked um, 10 men to come up, and they were each going to give their name and the year they were born, and then just shoot the uh, aerosol. Just a little, psh. well, that's fast. We got to the oldest guy, and I didn't tell him to do this, but he just grinned and went, And we all kind of laughed. But you know what happened? It disappeared. Psalm 103.15 describes our life, brethren, as grass that withereth. Psalm 102.11, my days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. You see, we tend to measure our life by years. But God always tells us to measure it by days. In fact, my life verse, Psalm 90 verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Wiersbe says this, we count our years at each birthday, but God tells us to number our days. After all, we live a day at a time, and those days rush quickly the older we grow. Since life is so brief, we cannot afford merely to spend our lives, and we certainly do not want to waste our lives We must invest our lives in those things that are eternal. God reveals his will in his word, and yet most people ignore the Bible. In the Bible, God gives precepts, principles, and promises that can guide us in every area of life. Knowing and obeying the word of God is the surest way to success. Psalm 90, verse 10 says, The days of our years are threescore years and ten, seventy. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, or eighty, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Last year, I believe it was Brother Godfrey came and preached about uh, life and the brevity of it. And he just started throwing out, he, he did a lot of math. Well, I did a little bit of it. If you're t- so, 70 years equals 25,550 days. 80 years, 29,200 days. You with me? Just remember that 25,000. If you're 21 years old, you've already spent 7,665 days. If you're 30, you've spent 10,950. If you're 40, you've spent 14,600 days. If you're 50, 18,250. If you're 60, you've spent, now remember the number 25,000. If you're 60, you've spent 21,900. If you're 75, you've spent 49,875. You already owe God 1,825. Excuse me, that that figure was wrong, 29,000. If you're 80, you owe God 3,650. You're you're plus. And if you're 100, You've already spent 36,500 days. You owe God 7,300. One of the dear ladies 
at one of the churches I've been helping. Ironically, her name is Louise Young. And last Thursday, she had her 101st birthday. Um, and she teases me all the time. But she said, Brother Spencer, I'm praying you're going to live to be 100. Well, I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. I'll leave that up to God. But brethren, listen. Listen to what Job said about life. In Job 7, 6, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. In 7, 9, the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away. Our days upon earth are a shadow. Now my days are swifter than a post, referring to the royal couriers that hastened in their mission. He said in chapter 9, verse 26, they are passed away as the swift ships, as the eagle that hasted to the prey. In 14, 1 and 2, man, and that is born of a woman, is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. Hebert says, how foolish, therefore, to ignore the unchanging God and then proudly plan for life as fleeting as a wisp of vapor. Remember, the challenge to us this morning as believers is not to be immature, not to be presumptuous. It's not planning that's foolish. Brethren, again, it's planning without God. Someone said he who solicits only sensual pleasures is like a prisoner who spends his life polishing and adorning his chains (coughs) and has forgotten the enjoyment and desire of liberty. Notice presumptuous planning is foolish. The the presumption of the plan, the problem with the plan. But look at verse 15. God tells us through James a proper plan of life. A proper plan. Verse 15. For that ye ought to say, and again, ye ought to be saying all the time, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. You know, I know to some of us uh, the, the phrase, Lord willing. Haven't we all heard that many times? Haven't you done it? I've done it. Lord willing, or if the Lord will. Sometimes I guess it becomes a a cliche, an empty cliche. But my friends, the truth is, if we, we don't necessarily have to say it, but we need to agree with God about it. If not say it, I kind of have a habit. When students talk to me or someone says something, uh, I'll say, well, Lord willing, Lord willing. You know, I'd rather get so used to it, then not say it at all. That's what James says to immature believers. You need to stop running around, planning your life, presumptuously saying, and I'll I'll live a year. I'll be doing this. What you need to be saying is, Lord willing. Watch, he says, if the Lord will, we shall live (coughs) and do this or that. Let me read um, Dr. Weir's begin. By the way, in this passage, in his commentary, he has some incredible things to share. But I want to read just a few things. He says, we learn to determine the will of God by working at it. The more we obey, the easier it is to discover what God wants us to do. It is something like learning to swim or play a musical instrument. You eventually, quote, get the feel, end quote of what you are doing, and it becomes second nature to you. (coughs) People who keep asking, how do I determine God's will for my life, may be announcing to everybody that they have never really tried to do God's will. You start with a thing you know you ought to do, and you do that. 
Then God opens the way for the next step. You prove by experience what the will of God is. We learn both from successes and failures. The yoke suggests, in Jesus' words, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. The yoke suggests doing things together with the Lord. Putting into practice what God has taught you. We must never think that a failure to know uh, in knowing or doing God's will will permanently affect our relationship with the Lord. We can confess our sins and receive His forgiveness. We can learn from the mistakes. The important thing is a heart that loves God and wants sincerely to do His will and glorify His name. Another author said, The world is always talking about chance and luck. And oh my, has our culture talking about it all the time. The Christian knows that there's no such thing, that all is in the hand of the Lord. We are not children of chance, but children of God and under His loving care. He has a purpose and plan for our life. Do you right now, do you believe that? No, really, do you believe that? Because if you do, it's time for us to stop being presumptuous. Number one, presumptuous judging is arrogant. Number two, presumptuous Planning is foolish, but I close with the third point. In verses 16 and 17, James says presumptuous attitudes are evil. He says, but now, in contrast to telling us how we need to always remember the will of God and say, Lord willing, I'll do this or that. He says, but now ye, you immature believers, you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. <clears throat> the, um, the idea of rejoicing in your boastings is to do it loudly. I like one author, he said, the picture here is the idea of a sideshow medicine quack. You ever see those on the old westerns? <coughs> Pulling their wagon. <clears throat> they have the cure for everything and they make it loud. That's what James, that's what the Holy Spirit's trying to convey to us through James. Sometimes we get so focused on us and we forget the perfect will of God, which is not dangerous. It's to protect us and bring glory to our Savior. We sound like a medicine quack to God. He says, all such rejoicing is, what's that word? You ever think that God's children can do evil? The word evil here has the has a connotation that it's to do wrong that will cause pain. Is there anything more descriptive of the immature believer who lives a presumptuous life, who spends his whole life toiling for nothing but pain? There's evil. Maybe you're here this morning, and I know I talked to some really good brothers and sisters. You, I'm, I'm thankful for you. Like I tell you guys, uh, you're the reason we get up. You're the reason we teach. But truthfully, I remember what it was like to be your age. And don't think when you get to be older or old, you can go ahead and call me that, that we're freed from this. No, no. Because you never stop growing. You should never. Listen, when, when, when you or I get to the point where we think, well, I've been here, brother. 
he talked about me being here 27 years. I got to tell you, you know how I look at that 27 years? Right there. Well, Brother Spencer, are you going to be here? Uh, That's my life. So I would say to you, Lord willing, Lord willing. But notice he talks about the examination. How are we, Brother Spencer, how, are, how am I before God, my Father? How am I to know if my presumptuous attitude will cause me pain? Well, examine yourself, verse 17, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him. It is sin. You know, we hear that verse quoted, but often outside the context. The context is, are you and I just living our life, doing it my way, presumptuously assuming God will bless it? Oh, listen, that's evil. It will bring pain. God says, but you know what? There's time for you to stop that, to change your course. Look at your... Yourself. By the way, notice the emphasis here is not on doing something wrong, active wrongdoing, but on the passive failure of a believer to do what's right. He knows what's right. He just chooses to ignore it. The context is doing God's will. It is always because of our immature arrogance over others. Our immature arrogance over God's word and His will for us, that we become accustomed to not doing what we know is good. I close with a statement. Another author says, knowledge brings responsibility. The moment we know the will of God, it makes us responsible for it. The better we know and the more we understand, the greater our responsibility. When we do wrong, not knowing it to be wrong, it is wrong nevertheless. But when we do a wrong knowingly, it makes the wrong doubly serious. When it comes to doing good, many think they have the liberty to choose between doing it and not doing it. But our verse, referring to verse 17, says the knowledge of good makes it sin if we do not do it. Isaiah Cuthbertson, a couple years ago in class, we were talking about um, God's will and, and why we don't have more young people surrendering to do ministry. And Isaiah said, well, you know, you know, Brother Spencer, he said, it bothers me. And I, I tried to look up the email today. I couldn't find it. But he very eloquently wrote me, and I'll find it, and I want to put it out in my notes. He said, why is it when you talk to young people today in church, in youth groups, Christian schools, they'll, and, and you say, what are you going to do with your life? Well, I'd like to do this or that. And you say to them, is, but what about God's will? They just blank out. He said, why is it they feel they have to have a very special lightning bolt call to be in ministry, but when it comes to, I'm going to be a police officer, I'm going to be a, a businessman, they don't say, Lord willing. Isn't that true? Look, I know who I'm talking to. In my opinion, some of the best young people I've ever met, but brethren... If we're not careful, even in a Bible college, even teaching at a Bible college, we might become just a little too presumptuous and saying, well, today or tomorrow at the latest, I'm going here and I'm going to stay there a year and I'm going to buy and sell and I will make a profit. Listen, James says, that's presumptuous. May it be true today that we don't do it our way.
Let's do it the Lord's way. Lord willing. Amen. Amen. We went through everybody's life two or three times. That's how God says. You may not feel that way. You may look and say, well, Brother Spencer, you know, from the looks of you, I think you're just about steamed out. But the truth is, your life may be over tomorrow. It may be over today. That's God's decision. So a wise, loving, may I add loving father, tells us, don't do it your way. Do it my way. And I promise you a good life. Father, thank you for the time we've had together. Lord, I pray for my friends here, especially my young brothers and sisters. Oh, Lord, help them to develop the spiritual habit of saying the Lord, Lord willing at least living and thinking that way. Father, keep us in your word. Help us to hear you clearly, we pray in Jesus' name.